0: Uh, a shout out this morning to uh, Micah here, who's stepping off the stage, step behind the keyboard for the first time this morning. Way to go, Micah! It's a brave and courageous thing to do. Absolutely. And Teddy, who's back there running slides this morning with some parental supervision, but nonetheless uh, is is making that happen. Grateful to him. So I want to invite you to uh, head to John nine, uh, if you'd like. We're going to read the whole chapter, which is long, uh, so you can kind of sit back and relax here for a moment. Um, I want to read this whole story, kind of unusual for us perhaps um, to you know cover so much ground, but I want to I want to just think about this whole story together this morning. I'm going to be reading from the message translation, so if you are following along, um, you're going to want to make sure that you're in that translation as well, or else it won't, won't line up. Um, but otherwise, you, know, you don't have to read along. It might be better to just listen, to listen as if someone were telling you a story. So John 9, walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world's light. He said this, and then he spit in the dust, made a clay paste with the saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eyes, and said, go wash at the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent." And the man went and washed and saw. Soon the town was buzzing. His relatives and those who, year after year, had seen him as a blind man begging were saying, Why, isn't this the man we knew who sat here and begged? Others said, It's him, all right. But others objected, It's not the same man at all. It just looks like him. It's a doppelganger, I guess. He said, it's me, the very one. And they said, how, how did your eyes get opened? A man named Jesus made a paste and rubbed it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. I did what he said. When I washed, I saw. So where is he? I don't know. They marched the man to the Pharisees. This day when Jesus made the paste and healed his blindness was the Sabbath. The Pharisees grilled him again on how he had come to see. He said, he put a clay paste on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, obviously, this man can't be from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others countered, how can a bad man do miraculous, God revealing things like this? And there was a split in their ranks. They came back at the blind man. You're the expert. He opened your eyes. What do you say about him? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews didn't believe it, didn't believe the man was blind to begin with, so they called the parents of the man, now bright-eyed with sight. They asked him, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? So how is it that he now sees? And his parents said, We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind, but we don't know how he came to see, having a clue about who opened his eyes. Why don't you ask him? He's a grown man and can speak for himself. His parents were talking like this because they were intimidated by the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who took a stand, that this was the Messiah, would be kicked out of the meeting place. That's why his parents said, ask him, he's a grown man. They called the man back a second time, the man who had been blind, and told him, Give credit to God, we know this man is an imposter. He replied, I know nothing about that, one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure I was blind. I now see. They said, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've told you over and over, and you haven't listened. Why do you want to hear it again? Are you so eager to become his disciples? And with that, they jumped all over him. You might be a disciple of that man, but we're disciples of Moses. We know for sure that God spoke to Moses, but we have no idea where this man even comes from. The man replied, this is amazing. You claim to know nothing about him, but the fact is he opened my eyes. It's well known that God isn't at the beck and call of sinners, but listens carefully to anyone who lives in reverence and does his will. That someone opened the eyes of a man born blind, who has never been heard of, ever. If this man didn't come from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. They said, you're nothing but dirt. How dare you take that tone with us? And then they threw him out in the street. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and went and found him. He asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man said, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe in him. Jesus said, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? Master, I believe, the man said and worshipped him. Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind some Pharisees overheard him and said does that mean you're calling us blind Jesus said if you were really blind you would be blameless but since you claim to see everything so well you're accountable for every fault and failure So, it's a long story, and it's a story full of questions. Did you feel that or notice that? This translation has 16 different questions in just this one chapter. That's a lot of questions. And it begins, in fact, with a question. A man on the side of the road, and the disciples ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? But they're not the only ones who ask a question. The people of the town ask questions. Um, His parents ask questions. The man himself asks questions. And the most questions are asked by the religious leaders, the Pharisees. Here's something I think that this story makes clear. Some questions are better than others. This morning I want to draw a distinction between lesser questions and... Better questions in this way, that lesser questions I think are rooted in mistaken assumptions and judgment. Better questions are rooted in curiosity and compassion. Lesser questions are rooted in mistaken assumptions and judgment. And we see this in the story, again, from the beginning. The disciples kick things off with a lesser question that's rooted in mistaken assumptions. They don't ask Jesus kind of a philosophical question. It is philosophical, but they don't say, hey, Jesus, what causes people to have physical ailments? Is it the sin of the person or the sin of their parents? No, they assume that they already know that these things are linked. That's the assumption. If you sin, there's punishment, often in the form of a physical ailment. This was a common way of thinking in Jesus' day. I, um, I suppose we could look back and kind of chuckle or scoff even at, you know, this assumption. But reality is, is that there are still plenty of people today who make that connection. Christians who make that connection. That the things that happen in our lives, physical ailments, poverty, the loss of a job, the death of someone, that sometimes those things are caused by God in punishment for something we've done. Have you experienced this? Have you encountered this? Maybe you've even thought it yourself. We as human beings are desperate to try and make sense of our world. And especially when tragedy strikes or difficulty comes, we want to make sense of it, right? So we make some assumptions. We try and put the dots together, even if we shouldn't be drawing dots anywhere. We try and connect the dots somehow, have it make sense. There's this other story in Luke 13 where apparently on the south end of Jerusalem a tower has collapsed. And killed 18 people this random tragedy and Jesus says some of you are wondering if those 18 people who died died because they were more sinful than everybody else it's another glimpse into this thinking of Jesus's day that if you sin badly enough then the retribution the consequence the the effect is that you're going to die at worst-case scenario it's this cause and effect. I remember when my dad died of cancer a couple weeks before, maybe a month before he died, um, people came over to our home from our faith community and just prayed their, their hearts out. The next week he got a, a test result, things were getting worse, and one of the women said to me, I've told this story before, forgive me if you've heard it, said to me that next Sunday when we were together in our gathering, we, we must not have prayed hard enough. We must not have had enough faith. Again, we're looking for cause and effect. If only we had had more faith, cause, then healing would have happened, effect. But we must not have had enough faith, cause, and therefore, he got worse. You see how we're doing this all the time? We're making assumptions, and then out of those assumptions come these questions that we ask, and often those questions are lesser at best. I think it's maybe what's going on in this story, but notice what Jesus' response is. Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause-effect here. Look instead for what God can do. You're asking the wrong question. There are lesser questions and better questions. And the better question here, Jesus says, would be to ask what can God do? What can God do? So this is a story with a lot of questions, and I want to look at those questions together. Uh, I want to actually have a little bit of conversation here this morning. So we're going to We're going to do our best to kind of break up into a couple of groups. And I want us to ask this. Oh, I don't know where it went, sorry. Um, Maybe it's there somewhere. Um, Are there assumptions connected to the questions that might be popping up in this story? And what would be a better question for us to ask if we were in the story itself? Let me, let me give you an example, and then we'll break into groups, and I'll give you a little bit of direction. So we already talked about the question of the disciples, right? Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? There are some assumptions there. We've already talked about them, right? That God might punish us for our sin or our parents' sin. In other words, this man deserved his situation. That's the assumption, one of them, one of many. A better question might be to ask if we were the disciples in this story, Is there a way we can help him? Does God want us to do anything for him, right? These would be better questions to ask. (laughs) So what I wanna invite us to do is to break into groups and ask um, about the questions in the story. Are there any assumptions and what would be a better question to ask? Okay, if you're online, you can head to this QR code if I go, suppose you could do that here as well if you want to, but we're gonna, we're gonna um, you don't need to if you're in this space. All right, so I need three groups, and I think the easiest, let's, let's do four groups. So you, you three rows, here's just a few pieces of paper, not everyone needs one. And then you guys are another group, this, these couple rows. And you guys are going to be looking at the question, one question that the parents, ask. The parents of this blind man. I have the text there. So you're going to look at that question. Let's do like, mm, this is a lot of people. You two rows right here. You're going to do the Pharisees. Again, not everyone needs one of these, but it might be helpful to space them out or whatever, pass one down. And then you all are going to look at the question that the townspeople ask. So you may have to cluster a little bit together, a little more than you are just so you can hear each other. We're not going to take a ton of time with this, but what you're doing is you're, you can quick refresh yourself on what the questions are that are asked, and then consider again what are the assumptions that might be at play here, and what would be a better question to ask. Does that make sense? Any blank stares? I see tired stares, I can't help that, but blank stares I might be able to help. Anyone? No? Okay, we're all right. All right, let's do this. If you're online, head to this Google Doc where you'll find uh, these same, the same thing I just passed out to everybody, and um, you can pick any one of the groupings of questions there and consider what are the assumptions, what might be a better question to ask, all right? About three minutes here, I'll give you a warning when we've got a, a minute left. All right. I know you're probably just getting going here. Finished whatever thought you're sharing. I should have, um, I should have asked you to, to like assign a scribe or someone who's going to be your spokesperson. So um, now I'll just pick someone at random, I guess. I don't know how we'll do this, but I'll trust that. Because it would be good to hear from each other for a moment. So we had two groups who looked at the one question that the parents ask? Anybody from these groups, like, can you give a very quick recap of either the assumptions that you thought might have been present, or the better question, maybe you came, with, came up with a better question that these parents could have asked in the moment? Chris, yeah? And you know what, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna make people do this just because, I know you're gonna like, hate it then, but then the people who are online can hear you, otherwise I have to repeat everything and that just doesn't work. You can stay right where you are. Yep. Yeah. So talking about the uh, assumptions of kind of what was going on in the story, it seems the question uh, is of the, the parents is that they don't wanna get thrown out of the assemblies. and. It, it seems that everybody already knows the answer to these questions, mm. but the Pharisees are fishing for a specific answer. They, they want to finger someone in either, say, throw somebody out of the assembly or for
1: the parents to say, well, obviously Jesus is a bad guy or obviously, you right. know,
0: right. He's, he's the one who did it, you know, so they can put some blame on someone. Yeah, appreciate that. Did you, this front group, have any different assumptions you want to say? It's fine, if, but yes, maybe, no. Same, same track. What was a better question you thought that the parents could have asked in that situation than what they did ask? Why is it wrong for him to be healed? Thank you. Yes. Anybody else? That would, that would be a very different question. It'd be one of support <laughs> instead of what they had done. Yep. Was the healing done in love? Mm interesting question. Good. Anything else? I think you guys might have had the hardest task, so well done. High five. Okay, you back here had the Pharisees, Is that, am I remembering that right, which asked the most questions, so you, I don't know, maybe had or maybe didn't have the most material to work with. What sorts of assumptions did you think was, were being talked about or were underlying the questions that they asked? I think we were saying that the Pharisees seemed like they were trying to trick or like
1: we trying to get them to say that they had lied and tricked everybody that
0: the guy wasn't actually blind mm. to begin with. Right, right. Some trickery mm-hmm. and just very judgmental type of questions instead of like
1: they asked a lot of how did this happen type of questions, but right. not in a curious manner, more in right. a judgmental manner.
0: Yes, uh, a serious lack of curiosity, I think. It could be argued. So, did you guys think of a better question that they could have asked, or questions that they could have asked? Yeah.
1: Did we think of any? Yeah. We we so we were saying like they could almost ask some of the same questions, but like ah. one time would have been fine, and if it was in a tone of celebration, like tell ah, us yes. how this happened, let's right. celebrate with you, right. rather than how did this happen? How did this happen? I you know yeah, so.
0: Yeah. Pretty, perfect. Yeah. Great. There's no wrong answer here. I mean, we're just kind of trying to enter into the story and imagine if we were in their shoes, what, what would have been a different way? And then this group had the questions of the town folk, yeah, and also interesting relatives. I don't think I mentioned, but that is what the text says, that this man's relatives and townspeople are arguing about whether or not, is this the guy? You know, so it, what a weird thing. I'm not quite sure what to make of that, but who who can say something about an assumption or a better question or I'm not going to give it to Teresa. Don't think she's, she's going to be your out here, okay? Jason, there we go, Jason. Come on, buddy. <laughs>
1: um, so uh, one assumption is, is uh, when they were asking, um, they don't, Believe that he deserved to have his 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 vision back. Um, hmm. With that, um, uh, another uh, I think an assumption we we were all making, um, which I think is probably accurate, is they are asking where is Jesus? Not in a oh hey let's go find him, but let's go see if this really did happen. If this really is the guy, right? Right. right. Um, so better questions. Um, what did it? What was it like when you could finally see? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, a yeah. question. I mean, all of these are like how, what questions, but like, why? Mm. Why did Jesus do this? Mm. You know? Um, yeah, great. So, great. Yeah. Anybody else want to say stuff? Anybody else want to say anything?
0: Everything. Nailed it. He nailed it. He gets the group's approval. Okay, okay. well done. <laughs> Everyone's just exactly happy to not have the microphone. Thanks to those who did speak into the microphone. All right. So just um, a, a little exercise there to get us thinking about not only this story specifically, but about being in situations where we might make assumptions about the people in the situation, and then what is it like to catch ourselves and then do our best to ask better questions than what we might, just by default, almost instinctively ask. So we're gonna do, now a large group conversation to try and bring this into our modern day, our everyday life. And I wanna ask us to, I'm gonna give you some examples of some people that you might encounter today. And have us collectively as as one group, just out loud, we'll have a kind of back and forth conversation. No microphones required, I'll repeat what you say. Um, What assumptions might we'd be making about folks that I'm going to, again, cue you to. What are some of the lesser questions we might be tempted to ask, and then, of course, what would be better questions rooted in curiosity and compassion, okay? So here's an example. Um, How about the person standing on a corner with a sign that reads, have family, anything helps. Let's uh, think together for a moment about what sorts of assumptions we might make, and if you speak now, don't worry, we're not assigning this to you, what you are going to say, although probably everything you're going to say, I probably assume, or have assumed at some point in my life. What sorts of assumptions do we make about a person in that situation? That they spend their money poorly, yep, and... That they, don't have fa- oh, that they don't have a family, so I have a family, anything helps, they're lying, right? Yeah, that might be an assumption we make, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're lazy, mm mm-hmm. ah, They're making good money, actually work in the corner and they maybe don't need your money. Mm-hmm. Matt's crushing it up here, anybody else wanna join him? <laughs> that maybe they're choosing this, right, almost as a, a profession or a way of making it in the world. Mm-hmm. Because maybe the adjoining assumption is that they're making money at it, right? That they're doing just fine. Yep. If poor, that if you're poor, it's your fault. That would be a very common assumption I would dare to say, Yeah. Okay, so you know, the thing about assumptions is that sometimes we're right, and sometimes we're not, and the only way to know is to stop assuming and actually go and have a conversation with the individual in question, right? Um, But we might as well say that sometimes our assumptions are right. It's not like every assumption we make is wrong necessarily, but they are dangerous because they are so often wrong, and they lead to lesser questions. So maybe we've already done this in a sense, we've already thought of some of the questions we might ask ourselves, like um, do they really need this money, Um, are they lazy, I mean we can kind of take our assumptions and just turn them into questions, right? So what would be better questions to ask in that situation while you drive by or sit there at the corner that they're standing at, what would be better questions to ask? What are we doing to help the root problem? Uh, that would be a good question. What can they, yeah. what can they really use today? Yep. Do I have 10 or 15 minutes to go get them a sandwich? Have time to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can already feel why we make assumptions because it's just easier than pretty much anything we've said. Do I have time to go get a sandwich? Time to actually get to know them? Well, the answer often is going to feel like no, and so we just carry our assumptions with us and move on, right? Not saying this is easy, but you know, and I have assumed all of the things that have been named here, um, so I'm not, this, this is me joining you in this very much so. Let's, let's do this practice for a different person. What assumptions might we make today um, for the person who's incarcerated? Is currently or was? Yep, they're a bad person. They made bad choices. They'll always make bad choices. They're not trustworthy. They deserve their punishment. Yeah, these are they're not safe. Yep. They can't contribute. They don't have anything to contribute. So we turn these into questions pretty easily, I imagine. What would be better questions to ask ourselves? You know, again, I'm not even saying all these questions are questions we ask out loud. Just even internally, what's the dialogue that we might have with ourselves when we meet someone or we think of someone who is in this situation? Yep, what are the circumstances that motivated their choice? What's the story? What's the story? How can they be restored? restored? Which, that question carries a lot of assumptions that are opposite of what, you know, we kind of named in the beginning, right? That they can be restored. To ask, how can they assumes that they can? How can we change the system? Yeah. Did you, if they had more resources, would they have been? Yeah, would they have even been incarcerated? Yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm. Tell me more about how being incarcerated has changed you. How's it affecting their family, and is there anything we can do to help? Yeah. Good. I wanna do one more. Um, What assumptions do we make about the person who voted for that candidate? (laughs) One at a time. (laughs) They're wrong, I think I heard, yeah. They're not not as educated, absolutely, yep. Just not as smart, they're dumb, Mm -hmm. right? They're cruel. Mm. Mm. Ah, yeah, they clearly must not have thought about things if they had, we assume, of course, they would have come to the same conclusion that we did. Yeah, they don't care about the people who are being impacted by the policy, whatever policy or mm -hmm, position. They live in a bubble, yeah. They're only making decisions for themselves and not for everyone or the bigger Yeah, they were raised in a different environment. Hmm. That's an interesting assumption that they're not willing to sacrifice for those in need. Yep. And not willing to listen. Yep. Yeah, they prioritize different issues than I do. So yeah, the assumptions around your Christian faith, or yours—you're right—you're, you're not a Christian if you vote this way. Both sides would potentially say that about the other. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what would be, what would be better questions, or, or even better assumptions to make about the person who voted for that candidate? There might be some truth in what they're thinking or, hmm. yeah, yeah, why is this issue that important to this person, getting to know their story, again, we're, we're kind of talking okay. about becoming proximate to people. makes someone feel so strongly about an issue that maybe doesn't directly impact them? Yeah, did I get that right, Micah? It's yeah. a really curious question. Hmm? Probably most of the question, oh, did someone want to say something? Probably most of the questions that we're kind of identifying here or naming. Of course, you can ask one way and you can ask them another way. You know, kind of like the towns or the maybe the Pharisees and the townspeople, the tone, <laughs> the posture that you have matters a lot, of course. But there are a lot better questions to ask than probably the ones that we typically do. Hmm. Say that first part again, Micah. Mm. I think that's, I, I would agree with you, I think. He's, he's saying, right, that the way in which we ask a question perhaps is more important than even what we're asking. I think you're probably right most, most of the time, maybe all the time even. If I am humble and kind, and I'm genuinely curious, it doesn't maybe matter so much that I get the question exactly right. Good. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We don't ask the question out of curiosity's sake, we ask it to like fortify our position. Yeah, that's that's, uh, I think true too Deb, yep. So we easily make assumptions about others. Can we agree? <laughs> this, is, this is very common human behavior. We see it in the story thousands of years ago. We're still doing it today. I guess what I'm inviting us to just consider is the way in which our assumptions impact how we treat each other. The disciples in this story debate the blindness, the, like the issue and almost or completely ignore the person. Their assumptions keep this man at a distance. There's no movement that they make toward him, no relationship formed, knowing, no knowing his story. He's a really almost a theological problem to fix, not a human being to love. Pharisees do the same thing. You might be able to say the townspeople do as well. What I noticed in the story is that um, all of the assumptions made in this text create distance. That's the result, amongst other things. And just think about that for a moment in your own life, about the people that maybe you make assumptions about. Does, do your assumptions bring you closer to them or less? Less so. And we do this not just in these grand, grand, big ways like around politics. Let's say there's someone here this morning who doesn't say hi to you. Ooh, I know, scary. You you say hi to them and they don't say hi to you and so you assume, maybe, that they're mad at you. Or that thing that you said earlier ticked them off somehow. And now, is there more distance or less distance between you because of that assumption? We, We do this in really small ways and in really big ways. What does Jesus do in this story? Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples ask him this question. Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. And then Jesus goes over to him. That's what Jesus does. Spits in the dust, makes a clay paste, and rubs it on the blind man's eyes. The right question to ask, Jesus says, is what can God do? And since God seems to ask us to be God's conduits for love, really the question is what can I do? Or what is God asking me to do in this situation? If you ask that question, more often than not that will be the right question at least one of the right questions. How can I move toward the other? How can I suspend my assumptions? How can I learn a story? Is there a way I need to get into the mud and mess? Do they need an arm put around them? What would be a better question to ask? Let's carry all of these things as we come to the table this morning.